Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia of Blazers Edge Podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm back with Dave Deckert. He's back from his trip. We have a lot to talk about. Dave, how are you? How was your trip? Are you glad to be back? A few Fill things have happened since I was here, but I have learned I'm never, ever, 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 ever going to go away on the moratorium week for free agency again. I mean, I wrote like 10 articles while on vacation, but that's okay. Thanks to everyone at Blazers Edge who helped out, by the way. And of course, our wonderful readers who keep us up on anything that we missed. We appreciate you very much. Uh, But yeah, it was the only week that I could get away. So I decided to take it and it was fun. You had a good time with Chris Haynes. Thanks to Chris for uh, filling in. Yeah, it was good. It was good. He did, you know, Yeah. You, anytime you get somebody like that, you never know how much they're going to be able to say or talk about. And I think he did a really good job of just kind of, you know, talking through the topics as himself and not just, you know, what he's allowed. But he also gave us some kind of interesting tidbits. So that was good. It was good. It was a good time. Yeah, love it. Uh, wonderful chance to have guests on it's not something we normally do but it's fun when one of us is gone to have personalities i know we've had caitlin cooper uh we've had chris we've had uh hot josh our producer uh on as a guest so i mean there's uh there's a a lot of potential out there you'll see even more as time goes on i'm sure yeah yeah in fact he complained that you weren't also on it so we may have to have him come back one time with both of us oh chris did yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I like Chris. I met Chris years and years ago in Summer League. It was 2014, I believe, that we met. So eight years we've known each other. And he's a, a wonderful person. He, Henry Abbott, I think uh, another fantastic guy that I've known forever. Of course, I know Casey a bit. Casey and I haven't kept up, Casey Holdall, so much in the last few years, but Casey's a good guy too. I mean, there's a lot of wonderful kind of old school embedded uh, Trailblazers people. I mean, Dwight Jane should mention him as well. We're lucky. Let's put it that way. We're lucky to have the interesting personalities surrounding this team and media environment that we do. Yeah, we do. There's a lot of just really good people. And I feel like it's kind of a small world of people within that. And so it's always really cool when you get to make those connections with people that are also, you know, kind of. And and I think, too, you can't. Well, I was going to I was going to make a statement that's actually not all that accurate. I was going to say you can't cover the team for so long and not become a fan of the team. But I think there are plenty of people who cover the team that maybe aren't fans of the team. But I do think that there's kind of an underlying appreciation for it, regardless of if you're a fan or not. It actually works in the inverse a little bit, that the longer you go, the harder it is to recapture the naivete that you once had. I think you can put an exponent of two or three on that, at least for the Neil Olshay era for many, many people surrounding this team. That was not a positive 
I think, environment for most media members. Uh, And, you know, I mean, some negotiated it fine. Uh, They're, you know, look, it's a mark of professionalism that you're able to deal with all kinds of stuff. And people did. And probably they wouldn't complain because that's their job. At the same time, it's nicer to have an easier environment to work in. And it helps you recapture some of the, what would you say, some of the joy in being in the orbit of the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know the way that I am a fan has changed in the time that, you know, that we've been doing this. And I think we've talked about this before. It's kind of like being an employee at Disneyland. Some of the magic dissipates when you see behind the scenes and things like that. But I also think that there's an element where the, the longer you, you know, especially the team as it sits, where you've got guys that are just really fun, uh, it's hard to not root for them to some degree. So... Right. The old saw is that as you go along, you become more a a fan of players than franchises. Uh, Yeah. That has not necessarily become true for me. I think it's been both. But yeah, you can see where some of that evolution happens. It's inevitable. It's even good as long as you don't lose your connection with what you once were. I mean, I, I suspect that I am a better writer and a better analyst now, certainly than I was when I started, even though I have lost some things. Uh, I, I vowed it never to become the cranky old guy, uh, and I hope I haven't, but I have been able to talk about things, I think, more realistically as time has gone on, and that's actually brought a new layer of joy. I don't feel like I've lost. I feel like I've gained some insight, and if anything, it makes those really good moments even more special because you understand what goes into them, almost like the difference between hearing a song on the radio and watching it produced or having a hand in producing it or something like that, and you realize how much went into that, and it makes it i think even more special in a way yeah yeah i agree with that we've got a lot to cover today you know it's interesting because going into the summer you always wonder how much there's really going to be to talk about but we have yet to have a shortage of of things a big thing that has been talked about today especially again we record this on tuesday so it will be a couple days old by the time this comes out but uh jody allen owner of the Blazers released a statement. I'm going to read the statement um, just for anybody who hasn't heard it. It says, as chair of both the Portland Trailblazers and the Seattle Seahawks, my long-term focus is building championship teams that our communities are proud of. Like my brother, Paul, I trust and expect our leaders and coaches to build winning teams that deliver results on and off the court and field. As we've stated before, neither of the teams is for sale and there are no sale discussions happening. A time will come when that changes, given Paul's plans to dedicate the vast majority of his wealth to philanthropy, but estates of this size and complexity can take 10 to 20 years to wind down. There is no preordained timeline by which the teams must be sold. Until then, my focus and that of our teams is on winning. Uh, So basically a statement to say a whole lot of nothing. There's nothing solid there. It's basically, yes, the teams will eventually be sold. No, they're not for sale right now, which... I mean, I think they're always for sale at the right price. It's a frustrating statement for where we've been sitting at. You know, I think all of us have been just kind of waiting, especially after Adam Silver's statement about it a while back. It wasn't that long ago that he was talking about how, yes, the Portland Trailblazers do have to be sold. And so I think we've all just kind of been waiting around since then. And then to have this come out, it's interesting. It makes me wonder why 
why now? Why release this now? Well, the wrinkle is, of course, that there's been speculation that there was a clock on the sale uh, in the you know bequest or memorial or whatever you call it in the in the foundation that the sports franchises had to be sold by a certain date, and then presumably the proceeds would go to the philanthropic you know fund and would be paid out to you know help people. That is not. I won't won't say it's not unusual because with a billionaire, everything's unusual. There are only a certain number of of those in the universe, but it's not a completely unheard of thing. And the speculation has been rampant over the summer that maybe there is a five-year clock, in which case that would be coming up soon and they'd be forced to sell within the next year. And I think this quells part of it, at least, that, okay, yes, there is broad timeline and the intent is at some point to sell the team in accordance with Paul Allen's wishes so that that money that he earned would go to help people rather than continue to be invested in the franchise. But that timeline is still ambiguous and long-term if you're reading between the lines. Now, that is reading between the lines. It still may be next year. We did not get a concrete I could be next year, and they still put out that statement. I mean, they said there's no timeline, but, you know. Uh, anyway, we don't know for sure. But I think we can probably guess that it isn't soon, that the plan to sell the team can be extended. And so starting to speculate about it right now, as if it's an impending necessity, would be uh, ill-advised. Yeah, I, it's one of those things that we're probably not going to know about it till it happens. I mean, it, it's it's kind of, you know, there was an offer on the table not that long ago. We talked about it here. I'm sure that if offers are made like that, we'll continue to hear about them. But my guess is they'll hold to this line until a sale is pending or until they kind of know what they want to do. I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing where they're like, okay, the team's for sale. And then we sit there and wait to hear what happens. I think probably we'll hear about it when, you know, when there's more information. When due Um, diligence is being done is usually when it happens or just before. In other words, they're going to open up the books for somebody that's going to become public knowledge that that somebody is investigating the team's bottom line and et cetera, et cetera. There's no way to hide that. So at that point you announce, okay, uh, so-and-so is a prospective buyer, uh, and they're going to be looking at the books, and that's when we'll know. Now, that usually happens months or weeks before the final deal, not years. Right. right, exactly. And I think we've seen that with this franchise, especially that it's like we get information when they have no choice but to give us the information. We're not getting it before that. So, you know, it's one of those things that we'll, we'll wait around and we'll see. For now, uh, you know, the statement of the goal is to build winning teams. That's always interesting in this franchise. But I'm hoping that that's the direction we're going. It seems to be at what cost. I'm not sure to what extent they're willing to go in order to make that happen. But it does seem like we're heading closer to the right direction. So let's address that because impetus of fans is to say, well, win at any cost and spend at any chance. But it's not our money. And you don't actually win by making stupid investments. In fact, you gum up your franchise by doing that, right? So everything is a percentage chance. Nothing is guaranteed. You want to take good chances, right? So usually what an owner will say is, okay, 
up to the luxury tax line. I'm not going to look at this too hard. You know, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm going to vet this and I need to know what's going on and I need to, in general, agree with the direction and the acquisitions, but I'm not going to like overrule or, you know, meddle with this or put a limit on it. That's what the lead executive is for, right? But if you want to go into luxury tax territory, I am amenable to doing that, but you got to show me. You got to show me why I'm doing that because that now adds an extra burden and an extra risk. And if I were the owner of the Blazers right now as a, you know, middle of the bell curve, reasonable owner, I think I would say, you know why I'm not opposed to this, but we've not shown that it's prudent or necessary yet. And especially, I mean, look, if we're talking for Kevin Durant, that's one argument. But if we're talking about signing uh, an eighth man and this is going to put us in tax territory and limit our future transactions, you haven't shown that that eighth man is going to make the difference between where we are and contending. Yeah, I mean, Kevin Durant is actually uh, on our list to talk about today. Maybe we'll kind of go into that from here. But I actually agree with that. And I think that that's a good way of doing things. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. If you're not a contender, there's not a point in in making a move that's going to be that financially irresponsible when it's not going to move the needle at this point you know like you said to to just pull in some random person that's going to be you know a second string player that's not going to move the needle and make us championship contenders but the idea of kevin durant would be worth going into that, in my opinion, and I think anybody's opinion. You can get stuck. I mean, we should mention that. You could get hard-capped, for instance. You go into luxury tax for your your 8th to 10th player, right? You want to make a trade then. Phoenix says, all right, all right, you can have DeAndre Ayton. You sign and trade Yusuf Nurkic. We're going to sign and trade Ayton, and he's yours. In fact, we're going to give you a great deal. It's just Nurkic and a draft pick, and you're going, we, yes, we did it, except you know what? A couple years ago, we made a move for a marginal player that puts us over or near the apron. And now if we make this move, we're going to be hard capped, which means we can't do it. Or uh, we can do it, but then we're kind of stuck. Uh, that, that doesn't make sense to, to get near those boundaries unless you have a really, really good reason. If you are the Golden State Warriors, you have a good reason. If you're the Boston Celtics or Milwaukee Bucks, you have a good reason. Portland Trailblazers do not. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Going to Kevin Durant, you know, that that he's officially, we've talked about this on the podcast. In fact, last week, I flat out asked Chris what he thought, uh, if he thought this was doable at all. And, and Dave, I'll fill you in. Uh, he basically said that if there was a star who would do this, it is a guy like Kevin Durant and that he and Dame do have a good relationship. At that point, when we recorded that podcast, Kevin Durant had not requested a trade and in fact when Kyrie resigned people or took his took his money people were saying okay KD's going to sit tight and and Blazers Twitter was kind of sad <laughs> because our hopes and dreams were crushed by the idea that KD would stay with Brooklyn and I really held to the fact that I didn't think he was going to stay I really thought he was going to still want to make a move and sure enough uh shortly after KD requested a trade now I don't know that that means he's going to get traded. He may not. Uh, it's been a few days since that happened. Um, there's been a lot of back and forth and talks 
uh, with different teams and rumors with different teams that the thing is to get Kevin Durant on your team, you have to have a lot that you can offer. Um, and it, and it doesn't make sense to make those kinds of moves if you're, if you're, if it's leaving you with nothing. So it, it'll be interesting to see what the options are of teams that actually have something to offer Brooklyn uh, and can take on Kevin Durant. Um, I don't think there's a lot of options. And and everything I've seen, you know, with the betting odds and the articles and things like that, Portland is in the mix as far as those are concerned, but it's not high on the on the probability level. First question is, would KD want to play here? Now, I know he's under long-term contract, but it does make a difference because you know what? He's still under long-term contract to Brooklyn, and they're apparently moving him or under pressure to. So... First question, does he want to come to Portland? If not, this is a non-starter. But let's say that he does want to play with Damian Lillard. I mean, do the Blazers have anything to offer? I think I, you got to look at Anthony Simons. you got to look at Shaden Sharp as the most likely candidates. Nasir Little's in there, too. Young players, right? Uh, also, draft picks. They do not have their 2023 first rounder. And that means they cannot offer their 2024. So the first draft pick they would have is 2025, right? So you got 2025, 2027, and I believe they could offer 2029 at this point. So they'd be mortgaging deep future, okay, to do this. So you're looking at probably two to three future first round picks. And you're looking at Anthony Simons at a minimum. And then more on top. And then, of course, you got to make salaries match. So you're probably looking at a veteran alongside. Now, would that be worth it? If you're keeping Damian Lillard, I think, yeah. I mean, because that, that solves all your problems. And that roster can have holes, by the way, if you've got Lillard and you've got Durant. At least you've got a fighting chance and maybe more than a, of a fighting chance you have right now. Is it as aesthetically pleasing of a team? Is it as Portland of a team? You know, team-based and all that? No. But it yeah. does immediately put you in the conversation. Would I do that? I, I'm still not convinced. But I think if, if you're keeping Dame and you had the chance, then yes, definitely you would trade for him. Yeah. I If you're keeping Dame, if Dame's not part of this and you have an opportunity to get Kevin Durant and have Kevin Durant playing next to Damian Lillard, I'm saying yes. I'm saying absolutely yes. And I know that this is maybe uncharacteristic of me who wants to have a 30-man roster and never trade anyone. I get that. But it's, it's Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard. And to see the two of them play together would be so much fun, even if we didn't win everything. Although I think it would get us closer to winning things than maybe we could otherwise. How do you not do that? I just, I mean, I, obviously there are arguments not to. And I can even make arguments in my own head not to. You know, the idea of, of trading our young guys is a little scary, especially with what I'm hearing about Shade and Sharp, and we'll get to that. The idea of trading our, our picks, our first-round picks, that deep, that far down the road is scary. Uh, there's a lot that's scary about that, but in in a very undeal-like move, I'm saying, heck yeah, you go for it anyway, because it's Kevin Durant. Realistically, I do not think this is going to happen. I jumped right on this when it first became a thing. When Kevin Durant first started saying, you know, he was keeping his options open. Dave, I went and placed my first sports bet I've ever placed in my life. And it was it was not a lot because I'm not one to gamble and I don't like the idea of it. But I made a, a bet that Kevin Durant would come to Portland just because I thought it would be fun. And, uh, and, and because I thought it was a real possibility. But 
as things stand right now and as I've watched this play out, I don't think it's going to be a realistic possibility. I do not see this as being the reality of what happens. But man, would it be fun. And absolutely, yes, I would do it if I were given the option and if it were up to me. Well, let's see. Uh, can't do it officially in the trade machine, but because it's not updated correctly. But I believe you could get something like Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, and Nasir Little, plus two or three first-round picks. That would certainly work salary cap-wise. That would leave the Blazers actually Yusuf Nurkic and Shaden Sharp and, you know, a, a number of other players, uh, uh, Gary Payton. I think you do that without question. I don't think Brooklyn would necessarily take that. Uh, also, I think it's more likely the Blazers get involved as a third team. So some kind of spiff or some kind of attractive player to help facilitate a deal that otherwise won't work. And the Blazers can't absorb cap space, but they do have some movable contracts that might be able to, to shoehorn in there. So, I mean, never say never, but I don't think the Blazers are getting Durant, but I don't think that it's impossible that they can help facilitate a future trade either with Brooklyn or for someone else. And I think, by the way, they'd be willing to do so if they could get, what if Toronto opened up? Oh, or is there somebody on Miami that the Nets wouldn't want, but the Blazers could? Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are possibilities like that. Yeah, it'll, it's it's definitely one that I'm continuing to watch, whether he comes to Portland, which he probably won't or not. That's definitely a trade that I'm watching because I agree. I think something could happen. I don't think the Blazers are done. Mm -hmm. I think that there's still moves to be made. And so I'm just... I'm keeping my eyes open. Let, let's re, let's stay on that for a minute. Well, first of all, for the Durant, keep in mind, folks, this never happens. You cannot trade for players this quality. Okay? Right. It's just, it's right. nearly unheard of. It's like half a dozen times since 1970 in the NBA that you could actually yeah. do it. And those names are like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, you know, it, it's just like... It's unheard of. So if you could get in on it, you would. But are the Blazers done is a good question. And I would say that there are two answers to that. No, they are not done with the shape of their final roster. But I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're done for the summer. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the lineup that basically, give or take, they take into the fall. Uh, in other words, you know, they might have a, another you know, minimum signing or cut someone who is insignificant at the bottom of the roster. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are no more major deals or signings, obviously, coming uh, for the rest of the, the summer and that the trade deadline is the next big opportunity. And what happens there will depend on the kind of start they have to the season. So let's talk about some of those players because we've got quite a few to talk about and where they're at. Uh, first up is Shaden Sharp. There's a lot of talk about him right now because obviously he's very unknown. This is who we drafted with our seventh pick. Um, he did not play last year for college, so he's very unknown going into summer league. I think that's you and I talked about this before, Dave, that if, if the Blazers drafted him, they would be a must see during summer league because he's unknown. Nobody's going to know what he can do and, and what he's capable of. I get really excited seeing the other players on our team talking about him now that they've been practicing with him and seeing what he can do and where he fits in. They are all very high on him and, and his ability and what he's capable of. You know, we're hearing words like athlete, like he's really athletic. 
we're hearing things about how, you know, his ceiling is really high and how he's going to quickly fit in with the team. It's been a while since we've drafted someone who was going to get substantial minutes right off the bat, other than maybe, you know, as a fluke, you know, somebody who's going to fit into a, a lineup with Dame and, and Nurk and Ant and the guys that we are depending on. So this is exciting. I'm excited about this. I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm excited to watch him play during summer league. I think it was a draft pick that I didn't expect us to keep. And then when they did draft him a guard, I didn't know what that was going to look like going forward. But the more I hear about him, the more excited I get about it. What do you think, Dave? Well, let's put it this way. It's a little bit more exciting to hear comments on and see practice videos of Shaden Sharp than it was Carmelo Anthony. Not that people didn't love Melo, right? But you kind of knew what was going to happen with 34-year-old Carmelo Anthony. And yeah, he looked great in those videos like everybody does, but look, he's Melo, right? Who knows what Shaden Sharp is? Now, here's what I remember from our, uh, our recent past. When Anthony Simons went to summer league for the first time. I had several people telling me, watch this guy. And they didn't say it beforehand. After they had seen him a little bit, they're like, you know what? Yeah, this is something. And these are people who had, you know, professional basketball experience. That the players are saying this about Sharp is a good sign, okay? Because they they actually have professional basketball experience too, believe it or not. Now, it doesn't guarantee anything. But if you were hoping that Sharp is something special, that the tenor of those comments is is a good thing. The distance between those and him actually impacting the team is still long. But that doesn't mean it can't be quickly covered. It just depends on how fast he goes. And only reps and you know, experience on the floor are going to show that. I mean, it, it, the learning curve may still be two years, three years, like Simon's was. I mean, really, four before now he's arrived, got a new contract. But Sharp may accelerate that into half a season. We just don't know. But it's better. I also remember, by the way, for perspective, when Greg Oden was drafted and I was down at Summer League and was talking to people who also had experience. And they were like, there was an awkward pause. And it's not that Odin wasn't good. It's just like, okay, uh, how do I say this? And there's a big difference between, wait, how do I say this well? And, oh, I can't help but say this. It's pouring out of me. Odin was the first. Sharp is the second. So we'll hope that that portends good things of course we're going to see summer league game one you know the day this podcast comes out and we should know more in a couple weeks uh a good sign if he makes the all tournament team and then of course we can get all excited for the start of the season another one that i'm really excited about is gary payton jr gary payton jr has been one of my favorite players in the league. In fact, I had decided that I was going to buy his jersey this year, which would be the first jersey of somebody that was not on the Trailblazers. And I decided to wait and see if he stayed with Golden State before I before I pulled the trigger. And much to my happiness, he is now with Portland. Um, this was not, and this kind of came out of left field. 
all of a sudden there were talks about this and then it happened. And it's, for me, I'm really excited. Gary is a dynamic player. He's great defensively. I think he's one of my, I mean, he's very much one of my favorite players to watch. If you don't know his history, uh, he went to OSU. So he is, you know, and, and was born in Washington. His dad played for the Sonics. So he's, you know, Pacific Northwest kid. And on top of that, one of my favorite things about Gary is he was undrafted. He went to the G League and he worked his behind off and made it into the NBA. He was in the G League for a while. It wasn't like he played there for a year and then got called up. I think he was there for several years uh, and then got, you know, got an opportunity with Golden State. So I love that story for him. I love that, you know, he was he was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, worked really hard in the G League, didn't give up, uh, and then went on, you know, to to win a championship. He was a, a he was a key player for them as well for Golden State in, in their championship win. And now to go and play with Portland, that's so cool. Also, he's just a really nice person. Of all the players I've had interaction with, Gary is has been one of the kindest people um, that I've had interaction with. So I'm really looking forward to having him on the team just from that perspective. I mean, we talk about this all the time, how much I love a good, a good storyline uh, of a player and a good person of a player. But on top of that, he is going to be fun to watch with this with this with his defensive skills. Um, and and what he's going to bring to this team. You you hear, guys, there's a quote from Steph Curry somewhere. Uh, I should have pulled it up, but I just thought of it right now. But when he is talking about Gary Payton and he said something to the effect of he plays much bigger than he is. He plays like a big guy. I think he's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to having him on the team. I think he's going to be a solid addition. So, look, you knew this was starting to percolate when... I forget who it was exactly nationally or in Golden State's orbit, but they said, you know what? The Warriors are going to depend on relationships to keep Gary Payton there. I mean, he just won a championship and it's a good team to play for. And I was like, <laughs> no, nope, 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 sorry. If Portland wants him, they can probably get him. And sure enough, they did. And the reason I say that is because relationships are great, but he was making $1.9 million last season. Which was good. I mean, will you take $2 million to play for the NBA champions? Yes, you will. But if Portland is offering seven and change, then yeah, that's okay, deal. <laughs> because he, in essence, didn't quite quadruple his salary, but he, he made, he's going to make a lot more money. He has a three-year guarantee. The Blazers aren't a bad place to play. He's going to have a role there. Uh, he will be able to probably back up Lillard somewhat. They also have some room at small forward for him, even though he's undersized. He's a tenacious defender, and he's going to be able to scoot all over those small positions. There's no reason to think he won't play. So, I mean, I, I don't know many NBA players who would go you know hey uh, I, I want to stay uh, somewhere else and have a good time for two million instead of come for you know what it, what it ended up being 14 times last year's salary so yeah. uh, you know in aggregate over three years so uh, you knew the Blazers were going to get him but here's the thing the Blazers had to use most of their MLE, MLE on him he was thus signing the only question mark is 
did they need a front court player more, especially if they intend to keep Josh Hart, which appears they now are planning to do at least for the very short term. I don't think they can keep Josh Hart through the year myself, so I think it makes sense. But if they do have designs on him, on Hart, then the Peyton signing becomes a little more curious. Yeah, I mean, uh, from Gary, Gary's perspective, absolutely. You, especially since they just won a ring. So he can check that off his list. It's not like if they had come close, I could see a player like Gary saying, you know what, I'm going to take the, I'm not going to take the money. We're going to run it back. We're going to go for a championship again. We were so close. I could see that. I still, I mean, I think a lot of players still wouldn't, and I wouldn't blame them for going for the money anyway, but at least there's like a little bit of a reason to maybe do that. But they won their, he won his ring with that team. So why would you stay there and when you can go somewhere else and make so much more and and play, get to play with Damian Lillard? You know, he got to play with Steph Curry. He got to play, you know, with some some big names there. Now he gets to go in Portland and play with Damian Lillard. I think that there's appeal to that. And so, absolutely, it makes sense for him. And good for him. Good for him for getting that money. Well, and it, the other thing is, I mean, we're used to thinking of him as an up-and-comer, a scrappy guy trying to make the league, right? He's going to turn 30 at the start of this season. He is not, I mean, his career is going to wind down. So if someone offers you a three-year deal, I mean, you're not going to be able to pick yeah. up another one of those. You can't wait. You got to take him. And I think Portland knew that they could do that. The positive thing in this, even though the Blazers probably got him by, I won't say overpaying, but certainly with cash. That's how they negotiated this, right? But the good thing is they felt that they were a Gary Payton II away from being really good. There's no other yeah. reason to offer that cash to him. Now, I'm not saying he's the final piece, but they felt that he was close enough to the final piece that they could use most of their only MLE on him. So that gives you an idea of where they self-assess. And I think it also gives you an idea of Joe Cronin's MO, which is I'm going to pick up good players valuable players and then i'm going to figure out what to do with them not in a bob witsit way and not in a name way like you know i like witsit always picked up the big name players sean camp whatever you know but cronin's going to pick up those value players he's going to overpay a little for him but he's going to figure that they are always good either to play or to trade that actually makes some sense even if you don't feel peyton is the final player to push them over the top yeah, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. I think, you know, we've talked about that before. Do you go with the best fit or the best available? And I think in a lot of ways, especially where the Blazers have been, I had a conversation with Coach Yim, who used to coach for the Blazers with Stotts. Um, we were talking about this the other day. And I said, how do you, how, what do you do? How do you do this as a team? How do you go from where we're at to a championship team? And he essentially said, slowly. (laughs) And, um, you know, because you look at this and you look and you think, man, how do we get to, how, how do we go from where we're at to a championship team? What do we do? What are the moves there? It's such a process. It's not something you can do overnight. And I think when you're aware of that, when you're aware of where you're at, which I think Cronin is, I don't think Cronin's going into this season thinking, this is it, this is the season. I think, of course, you're going to try. You're going to put together the best you can. You're going to make that attempt. You're going to go for it. 
But I also think you have to be realistically aware of where you're at with with your roster, with your available assets. What do you do? And I think you make a really solid point with that, Dave, that you take the best available, even if it's maybe not the best fit, and you try to start to put those pieces together. I keep thinking about that little square puzzle that's missing the one square, and you have to move all the pieces around to get them to make a picture. And oftentimes, you can be so close to that picture and have to scramble the whole thing up just to move one square to get it in the right place. And I keep thinking about the team like that. And I feel like that's where we're at. I feel like we're not that far off from the picture, but we may have to scramble up all those squares to get to where we need to be. And I think that that's what's happening. I think that we're making these moves. And and the cool thing about it is the players that getting the best available players, even if they don't fit what you need, is going to make for fun basketball because they're players that have skill. They're players that can do things that we enjoy watching them do. You know, they're players that are going to be fun to watch. I know I say that all the dang time, but they are. They're going to be fun. Gary Payton Jr. is going to be fun to watch. Josh Hart is going to be fun to watch. We know this about these guys. And I think that as they put these pieces together and figure out where everybody fits, it's going to be fun in the meantime. And I think we're going to, we're going to see some good basketball in the meantime. And who knows, who knows what comes together and works with that. Well, and we should put a little caveat in there that I don't think you're suggesting. I'm certainly not suggesting that Gary Payton, the second doesn't fit what Portland needs. He does. No. He, I mean, no, he defends tenaciously and he's one of the people one of the few major players who probably won't need the ball in order yeah. to prosper, okay? And that's an important asset for Portland right now. He creates, along with Josh Hart, an interesting predicament in that you have Damian Lillard, you have uh, Anthony Simons, and then you have Hart, you have Peyton now, you have Nasir Little in there somewhere at small forward. Uh, you know, you can throw in your Greg Brown the thirds and stuff like that, but basically... You, you have five players for three positions, and only one of them is really a true bench guy. I mean, little, or, or little, I suppose, is still, but he's also the only natural small forward among them. And he's also a guy you need to get some minutes and reps for. So I, I think Peyton signals that at least somebody in that backcourt is expendable, uh, but we're going to have to wait to see how that wrinkle gets smoothed out. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. I definitely think that Gary Payton is a good fit. I think that he's I think I think he'll stay with the team for a while for the foreseeable future at least. I don't think that he's probably somebody that they're trying to move. Um but well, and let's contrast this really quickly. Look at the difference between this and like signing Evan Turner for 70 million over 4 years, okay? Now Evan Turner fit a few things that the Blazers need. He was needed. He wasn't a terrible signing, but Blazers were literally the only people who were interested in him at that price. You know what I mean? So they they essentially bought a player that within two years was unmovable. And Gary Payton is not that player. The price is reasonable. The talent is transferable. He pay, plays multiple positions. He scores efficiently and he defends. You know what? If the if everything falls apart next year, they can probably trade him. They're not stuck with him. And I think Cronin has done a nice job finessing that. He's gotten better 
without over committing to big gambles that his team is then going to be stuck in if it all falls apart. Now, you can claim perhaps that he hasn't gone far enough, and that may be true, but it may also be prudent to run this you know, out onto the floor for a little bit to see if there's a real chance before the next level of commitment happens. Very interesting spot. It brings us to Josh Hart, which you interestingly said you don't think will maintain through the season. So talk to me about that for a second. Okay. Josh Hart, I think, is probably, probably a better fit in the shooting guard position than Anthony Simons would be. Not that Josh Hart is a better player, but I think in a perfect, perfect world, that Hart would start at shooting guard and Simons would come off the bench as the third guard in both shooting guard and point guard positions. And you'd add extra defense, you'd add, you know, passing uh, and, you know, veteran presence, a ton of stuff. Okay. So that's where I am with Josh Hart. That is to say that I am not saying in any way that he doesn't fit with this team or he's not a good player. Make sense? That said, Josh Hart just scored 20 points a game when given free reign with this team last year. Yeah. Okay. He he came out of his shell and absolutely showed, yeah, uh, I'm a producer, I'm a starter, and I'm every bit of a multi-tool player that I was advertised as. And I deserve minutes, place, starting role shots. Also, Josh Hart is coming up on the last year of his contract. Technically, there is another one behind that, but it's player option. And he's not making a ton of money, you know, compared to his age and his potential contributions. So I do not foresee him wanting to opt in for $13 million the year after this one. He's probably going to want more. And if nothing else, he's going to want a longer term deal for more. You know, if if he had to take 17 instead of 13, he'd probably go for that as long as you give him 17 over four years instead of 13 over one. Right. So I, I mean, 17 million per year. Anyway. That recipe, that equation doesn't add up because he's going to get pinched in front from Simons, who's going to start ahead of him by all indications. He's not going to have a ton of shots because you know what? Jeremy Grant needs his shots. Damian Lillard needs his shots. If, if, even if he comes in for Simons, that, that he's not going to be the key in the offense probably. Also, now he's got Shaden Sharp at his exact natural position coming up behind him, who the Blazers are excited enough about to rave about in Summer League and draft seventh in the lottery. This doesn't add up, right? And I think the Blazers want Josh Hart, but I think ultimately, after unless they're on a bullet train to the deep playoffs and they see it and they're willing to risk him leaving next year for nothing next summer, they, they can't keep him. Because he's not going to stay with them under these conditions. And uh, they need to get value out of that. And then and they can't make full use of him. Yeah, that's fair. That makes sense. I think this is where we talk again about getting players that we need to fill those holes. And, and what we have that we can move around and use as an asset. And, and we're heavy on, you know, guards. We're, he- we're heavy in that area. And so you have to start weeding them out. You can't play everybody in the same position. <laughs> we need some guys to fill in some other areas. So that's that's a, that's a good point. It, it really is, especially looking at the the roster that we have and thinking about who they're going to go forward with in the future. 
which is kind of a bummer because Josh Hart is, I like him a lot. And he was one too, that they said, uh, the team, I don't remember who it was, if it was Cronin or if it was, um, Dwayne, but one of them said that they were looking for players like Hart, you know, that they wanted more Josh Hart's on the team essentially. Uh, and so that at the time that led me to think, okay, they're going to try to keep him, you know, moving forward, but things change. And I think that that's something that we've learned as Blazer fans that, you know, you can think you have a really solid player that is going to fit in really well with what you're doing. The problem is if just one player moves, that can throw everything for a loop and that player that you thought was going to fit no longer fits. So it'll be, it's definitely a possibility. I think that we lose Josh Hart here at some point. Um, I'll be sad to see him go if he does, but I also understand where we're at with, with that. Josh Hart is the person you should marry, right? He's the, he's got the everything, you know, stable provider, great personality. You're not going to be sorry that you ever have him, right? But gosh, if I'm Josh Hart, I'm saying, well, yeah, this person looks like they're interested in me, but then I look at their phone and I see texts from Shaden Sharp and I see a text from Anthony Simons. And by the way, they just bought some jewelry for Anthony Simons. I need to think about this because, hey, hello, um, I'm what happened to you? Know, what happened to all this stability, stability right. and wonderful, you know, are we BFFs now? What are we? So yeah. I think, you know, it, it's... It's unfortunate the way that's going to plan out, but I will say this too. Josh Hart has a lot of things going for him on the trade market. Uh, a yeah. veteran team, a team that's contending, would love to have him. Yeah. A team that simply is looking for expiring contract can get that too. Uh, and as the Blazers found out last season, there's no harm even if your t- team is tanking or, or not doing so well. You're not sorry to have him. He's a, a good player at a reasonable price. There's there's nothing wrong with having him on the roster. He can go either way, keep or trade. A couple other points before we end. There, you know, that some moves were being made with our established players. Um, you know, Anthony Simons signed a solid four-year, hundred hundred million dollar contract. Uh, good for him. Good for him for securing that, and and you know, good for us for hopefully holding on to him long term. I think, you know, we've talked before about how Anthony is is a really solid asset for this team, how well he fits with Dame and how well he will be able to come in after Dame as Dame, you know, gets older and eventually retires or moves on, depending on what ends up happening there. Um, Anthony is, is, I think, going to be a very natural shift in, in that spot. So I'm glad to keep Anthony. I'm glad he got paid. Yeah, that's that's good news. That's good news. The $25 million is slightly higher than we had forecast. I was thinking between 20 maybe 22 yeah. But what the Blazers did is paid a premium based on potential. And they figure, I think, if he just maintains at the 17 points per game with those astronomical shooting percentages, especially from three-point land, that he kept last season. In other words, if he doesn't go backwards... Right. That's probably a reasonable price. We're talking, you know, that's about John Collins' money. That's, you know, an offensive score. Uh, sure, you're not embarrassed to put, that's not an albatross contract. But if he goes forward 
I think they're thinking they got a deal. I mean, that's much less yeah. than, for instance, CJ money. And yeah. I think they see explosive potential in Simons. So they're yeah. going, you know, hey, if this guy three years from now is an all-star. We just got him on the cheap. So they're yeah. investing now based on future development and a low risk. Fair enough. Uh, the only quibble would be, what's he doing alongside Nurkic ahead of Sharp and with Josh Hart? They have to resolve all that. But I think you just gave the answer to some of that. Okay, fair, but tell me who else on this team you go, you know what, if Dame moves, we're still glad to have this guy. And yeah. Sharp is the only candidate where you might say that you might say that about, and he's an untried rookie who's never played a minute of You'll NBA basketball. Know. So uh, you just that answers the question as to why uh, yeah. that Simons to them is worth it, and it's probably not a bad signing. Yeah, I think the only way you move Simons at this point is a situation like we talked about earlier with Katie. I think short of just going for everything this season and making some huge blockbuster move like that you keep Anthony Simons on this team and clearly they agree because they signed him. So that's good news for us. Also, Yusuf Nurkic, who you just mentioned, also signed. That one was 70, I want to say. Do you have it in front of you? So He made $17.5 million a year uh, over four years. So yeah, that comes out to about 70 or exactly 70. 65 okay. something. I don't so know. I was, thinking, I, I was thinking it was 70 million. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 70. So I, I believe my number is correct there. If not, it's really close. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that was another one we were waiting on. And then obviously, you know, Ant's news came and went and we didn't hear anything right away about Nurk. So people were kind of wondering, what are we doing here? But Nurkic has re-signed, so he, as of now, and short of being in a sign-and-trade situation, you know, he he's here. So we'll we'll have Nurkic going forward as well. Um, you know, Nurk is one of those, we've talked about him so much on this, but he's one of those that when he's on, he's on and he plays really well. Uh, Chris talked about him a little bit last on the last one and, and how well he fits in with the guys. You know, the, sometimes the one you know is better than the one you don't know. And I think in this situation, that may be true. You know, we know Nurk, we know how he works, we know how he fits in. They know each other, they're not gonna have to adjust to that. And I think, especially with Dane coming back again after not playing last season, I think that's not a bad thing to have Nurk there in that spot. Um, hopefully Nurk comes out and really plays like the like the Nurk that we love to see because as we've talked about before he can be he can be the the determining factor with this team sometimes as to how well they do 17.5 million is one of those contracts where oh okay you can see exactly how this happened it's a little bit steep for a starting center who across the pantheon of the NBA is okay. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, all right, maybe a little much, but not that much so that it makes you raise your eyebrows or go, that's a bad deal. Also, it is a raise for Nurkic, at least a modest one, and guarantees him, frankly, $70 million. That's his contract. You know, that's not going away. He's now, he can now say, I made my money in the NBA and I'm set for life. Also, Nurkic had them over a barrel that if he left and signed with someone else, which I don't think he would have gotten $17.5 million from someone else, but if he had taken less, if he had taken 15, if he had taken 13, what do they do? They have no cap space. They just 
re-upped Simons. They're you know still playing paying Damian Lillard. They're they they have zero cap space left. They cannot replace him in free agency. He in essence, I mean, he's like, well, pay me, or you got nothing. And they're going, you know, well, we'd like to pay him fourteen or fifteen that he was making. He's asking for seventeen point five. You know what? Let's do that. Again, they paid a little bit of a premium. And everybody walks away happy. The Blazers got their starting center for not too much. Nurkic got a raise uh, and also remains guaranteed playing time and touches for now. Fine. There's nothing to argue with about this. It's, It's simply, it's one of those nice deals that happens. And so there you go. Onward we go. Yeah, and and to pair with Nurk, we have Drew Eubanks, who, you know, I know I've been looking at this and wondering what they were going to do for a backup center. Um, You and I had talked about this being a possibility, especially coming off last year. Drew Eubanks really played well, and, and you can't be mad about this. Again, a hometown kid getting another year with the team, I think it'll be... You know, I think he'll I think he'll be good as a backup center. The trick here will be keeping Nurk healthy because if Nurk gets hurt, I don't feel like Drew Eubanks is probably going to be he's not the guy that we want as our starting center. Even though I like him and I think he's going to fill in great for a backup and he did great this last season, but this last season we were playing a different kind of basketball than I hope we're going to be playing next season. So I I think Drew Eubanks is good. I think he'll fill in fine in that role. Hopefully Nurk can stay healthy. Nurk has to stay healthy in order for the Blazers to have a legitimate chance of going really deep. I think they can still function with Eubanks, which is the point. Right. Uh, you know, that, that, look, they're not going to get, since they spent the MLE elsewhere, they're not going to get a backup center who's like going to push Nurkic. Right. But here's the thing. They also did not get a backup center. Like, let's say they got an Andre Drummond. He has to play in a certain way. He has to camp out in the middle, gum up the lane, get tons of rebounds. And also he wants touches in order to function. Eubanks doesn't have to do any of that. He will just come in, give you everything he has yeah. and not assume or that you have to change your style around him that's that's an asset that's a value that's true here's the other thing and i mentioned this in an earlier article this week i think you circle eubanks i think you circle trendon watford i think you also circle gary payton the second here are three players who i think are going to provide off the bench that just joy of being here and getting out and playing the game in particular for this team. Eubanks already showed that. Watford, I think, already showed that. The Blazers have either resurrected or or given them careers. So there's an affinity there. The Blazers just paid Peyton for the first time in his career, right? So there's an affinity there. This should not be completely underrated. It's not in itself a solution. But I want you to think, I want you to remember how many Trailblazers teams have had basically good hired guns coming off the bench that played adequately, but you know what? In a given game or in a given moment or even in a given season, when it became apparent that things weren't going to go ideally, you know what? This is a job. This is a franchise among many franchises. I'm paid to come off the bench and play reasonably well. I'm going to do that. And that's it. Okay? 
there's a difference between that and what Eubanks did on the floor last year, what Watford did, and I think what Gary Payton II will do. There's a certain electricity and prodding that that kind of lower to mid bench gives that reminds the starters and everybody else around them why they're here and why it matters to be a part of this team on this night on this floor. And I'm hopeful that having that spirit on the bench will provide the little plasma ball jolt of electricity that makes this kind of Petri dish uh, experiment come together. Eubanks is, is case A of this, and I'm happy with the signing, especially, duh, on a minimum contract. The, yeah. the Blazers could not have done better. Yeah, like I said, I think he fits well. I, I always think it's an advantage when you can keep somebody who's already familiar with the franchise, who's already familiar with the coaching, who's already familiar with the other players. I think that's an advantage. I, I think when you make changes, even when you change to a great player, there's a sense a disadvantage to them having to come in and relearn things and figure out how they move and, and learn how to play with a different team of people. That can that can be a challenge. So especially in a situation like this where you're ta- you're not talking about Kevin Durant, you're talking about a backup center having somebody who's familiar in that situation and comfortable being there and wants to be there is, is absolutely a good thing. So look at at Robert Covington, not to, I mean, let's, let's name names here a little bit. Robert Covington, clearly a better player than, than Drew Eubanks. Okay. Uh, At least a more proven one. Uh, And has defensive skills was highly rated and regarded coming into the Blazers. Um, And he played well. I don't mean to impugn his name. But you know what? When minutes got tight, when success wasn't there, and when the team wasn't doing well, I think Covington kind of just didn't want to be here. When why should he? It's not his fault. He didn't sign up for this. Great. Granted. That's his right. At the same time, we watched Drew Eubanks last year. When everything had fallen apart around him, and when San Antonio, by the way, was done with him, and... He came home to Portland, and in the midst of terrible losing streaks, bad basketball, no regard or national attention or anything, every play, he's like out there giving all his heart. Every time he walked off the floor, he's slapping hands. He's sitting at coaches and, and talking and saying, you know, what can I do? Well, how, do I, how do I make this better? How do I adjust? Right? What, what do I need to do out there? You could watch him do this on the sidelines. He was communicating out on the floor. Those are two different approaches. And you know what? As you said, for a reserve player who's probably not going to make all the difference on every night, that attitude of the second can make up a little bit for not being as inherently a talent of, of, as talented of a player as the first. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's a. I think it's a good sign. Last thing that I have uh, for today is Joe Ingles. Um, Joe Ingles. We we got last year. He was injured, so he never suited up. He never played in a Trailblazers uniform, and it looks like at least as of now, he will not play this year either. He signed a deal with the Bucks, so he will be going to the Bucks next season. Um, I don't think that was a huge surprise. I, I kind of didn't expect for him to play with the team. I, I figured he would end up somewhere else. Um, so, you know, good luck to Joe Ingles, but not too good of luck because, you know, 
we don't want them to beat us. Uh, Joe Ingles is your answer to, are the Blazers ready to go into the luxury tax? Uh, no. Right, right, <laughs> right? right. Because they probably could have found a space for him uh, if he could have recaptured his shooting. And he's certainly a veteran. He could have helped, especially since their small forward position is still dicey. Now, they may have a secret plan for that going down the road. Who knows? But right now, it looks like small forward is a position of need. Joe Ingles is one, right? But you would have paid a fair amount of money, uh, and you would have paid luxury tax, likely, in order to retain him. No justification for that at this point. So, yep, no surprise. Uh, There you go. So now we head into Summer League. Uh, starts in Vegas on Thursday, the day that this releases. The Portland Trailblazers will play. Um, they've got, I think, three games while they're there? Four. Four games. Four games. Yep. Okay. Four games at Summer League. Uh, the roster's been released. You can go look at that. There are some familiar names on there, some maybe that you won't recognize so much. Uh, I look forward to this every year. I think that this Summer League team is going to be good. You know, I, Greg Brown... Uh, said that he thought they stood a good chance of of winning Summer League. So that would be cool. You know, we always hope for any kind of win around here. Um, It'll just some fun little things of note. The, the, um, you know, Keon Johnson came from the Clippers G League team. We've talked about that before. And George King, uh, who you may be not familiar with, is also from the Clippers G League team, and he will be joining them. So that's kind of fun to see those. For me, that's fun to see those guys get to play together again. George uh, has become kind of a friend of mine as I've shot that team, and I really enjoy watching him play basketball. So I think that'll be fun to watch. They've, they've got as well Kyle Alexander, Greg Brown, who we all know and love, Luca Garza, Josh Gray, Keon Johnson, who obviously played with the team last year, George King, Didi Luzada, who was on the team as well last year, Craig Randall II, Colby Ross, Shaden Sharp, who we all know is going to be fun to watch this season uh, for Summer League, Jabari Walker, who was our other draft pick this year. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do as well. He just seems so happy to be there, and I always love that. Trendon Watford, who we all know and love, Romfield White, and Brandon Williams, who we also are familiar with from his time with us last year. So we actually have quite a few guys that are going to be recognizable from the team because of the nature of our team ending last season. So this should be fun. The They play Detroit on Thursday, New Orleans on the 9th, New York on the 11th, and Houston on the 14th. You can find all that information on uh, both Blazers Edge, we've posted it, and on the team's social media as well. So that's coming up. Should be fun. I'm excited to to talk about how that goes. It's going to be the Shade and Sharp show first and foremost. And by the way, he should get some breakaway dunks. So, I mean, he's going to bring the house down probably. Uh, but you also have Brandon Williams, who's going to look fantastic probably. So I agree with uh, Greg Brown that uh, the Blazers, if there is a, a kind of tournament championship or whatever, even honorary, uh, the Blazers are likely to once again retain their summer league. Oh, there re- is. Regain their summer league crown. They get, they get medal. I saw the, so the Sacramento, one of the owners of the Sacramento Kings um, works with 
somebody that I work with. And so we were at an event together shortly after summer league last year. And he had the summer league uh, medal because the, the Sacramento Kings won. So there absolutely is a winner. And I'm hoping we bring home that medal this year. <laughs> I mean, there's a really good chance. I mean, because Trendon Watford's solid. I mean, look, I mean, yeah. Look, bigs, bigs don't win summer league. Guards win summer league. And the Blazers have got them. They've got the hottest guard in the tournament. Uh, and they also have uh, one of the highest scoring potential guards in the tournament in Williams, who is pouring in 20 points a game in the actual NBA. So, I mean, yeah, it, it should be an exciting four games uh, and then some whatever else there is. Uh, and yeah, it's, we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But if you uh, if you can tune in, you probably should, because this should be one of the better years for it. Yep, absolutely. All righty. Well, for Dia Miller, uh, I am Dave Deckard. We will see you again next week when we will talk Las Vegas uh, basketball and everything else NBA. Get ready for the long, hot summer of anticipation in which we will all get sweaty palms waiting for that October day when Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic and Jeremy Grant Take the floor together for the first time. Until next week, when we begin to look forward in earnest, we will see you soon and enjoy watching the game. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here now to you. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. Cloud is on his feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! <laughs>